Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin! My dear listeners, welcome back to another episode of the RV. Today we are in sunny Arizona to chat with Janelle Moloney. Janelle is an award-winning non-fiction author, freelance journalist, and family historian. She has recently published a book entitled Poems from the Asylum, an anthology of poems written by Martha Nash. So, Janelle, welcome to the RV. Thank you, Lucia. I'm so glad to be along for the ride this morning. And good morning to everyone, or good afternoon to everyone listening. As she mentioned, that's right, I am a family historian, and I recently published poetry that my great-grandmother wrote while she was in a 1927's insane asylum. So if you can imagine, I think a lot of people think, oh, they must be scary poems or they must be crazy poems, but truly they're beautiful. They're sentimental and she's won some awards. Now I've been able to um, get some awards of merit for her, even though she's no longer around, but to really validate her beautiful craft that she developed while she was in the, in the hospital. And it sounds like it was a very good opportunity for you to learn more about your great-grandmother and even spending some time with her. You know, it really kind of feels like in this process, spending time with with my great-grandma, who I never met. And I don't know if anyone's um, had someone in the family pass away and then you just get a big box of their stuff. And you have to take time to consider, well, what is it and what does it mean and what is its value? And mm -hmm. so I feel like that's a little bit of what I did, but I didn't know her. So everything that I received from her, I had to challenge myself to say, what is this? And even my grandfather, who had the book of poetry before, he passed that along to me and was like, oh yeah, she wrote poems. And it took a while for me to get past that mm, wishy-washy feeling to get to, well, where did these poems come from? And why was she writing poems? And why did she write so much? And then when I learned that this book came from the hospital and this was all composed during a time when she was really facing the biggest challenge of her life, that gave the poems weight and worth and value 
that I don't think a lot of people saw before. So hopefully by listening to my story, readers will take another look at their family history and those little heirlooms that maybe they think, oh, it's just a little something, but perhaps it's a little bit more. And Janelle, you are our first family historian on the podcast. So how did you first get into this? Actually, I got excited about the family history with one of my uncles, or it's my husband's uncle, and he was looking up his great, great, great grandmother who rode on the Oregon Trail across America in 1864, and that was during the Civil War, so right in the middle of the Civil War. Um, they were waiting to see if President Abraham Lincoln would be reelected. It's a very tumultuous time. And she was a woman, an elderly woman, in a wheelchair, completely handicapped, cannot walk. And so she was crossing the country on the Oregon Trail and could do nothing to help. She had no women's rights and she's disabled. But what she did do was keep a diary. And that diary has been passed down. And as it turns out, the people she met along the way and the things she witnessed are pivotal for American history. She ran into characters that we now celebrate as characters in history. And yet for her, she was just riding along with them in the dust. So it just is another example of these little things that in the moment you think, oh, it's just her, you know, rag and trip, whatever. But in context, it's a treasure. So I'm starting to write her story now as well and bring that to life because it's not just a diary of the weather or you know what kind of trees they saw on the way. It's, it's incredible context, history, passion, and the pursuit of something better than what was for her. Just like with my great-grandmother Martha Nash, I believe that by collecting her poems, collecting her thoughts while she was hospitalized, she was in pursuit of something better than where she currently was. And that was also at a time where women's rights were limited. She couldn't get out if, even if she wanted to. She could never prove herself to be sane, never. She would have to have a husband sign off or a, a male person in her family say, oh yeah, she can come home. And until that happened, she had to stay. That's unbelievable. Internel, who is Martha Nuss? Can you tell us a little bit more about her? Sure. Martha Nash is a first-generation German immigrant. So her parents came over in 1881 from Prussia, but it was Germany at that point because Germany took over. And she was one of the firstborns um, for in the generation. And she... Um, grew up at a time with World War One happening. And in World War One, after and if, after World War One, there was a lot of oppression on German speakers and Germans of German ancestry as such. And so she grew up in that sort of world where it was, you know, you can't be yourself. Please don't be yourself because there was a lot of prejudices and discrimination. She married a nice German man and he was a painter. And unfortunately, he didn't make a lot of money. And so they struggled in their marriage as well. They only had one child. And back in the 1920s, that was very strange. Lots of families had eight, nine, 10 children, and she only could have one. So there was another personal struggle. So um, 
she had, we know she had some kind of, maybe not depression, but we know she had some internal identity issues that she was trying to wrestle with. But what really I think broke her was she found out her husband was cheating on her after everything. So she went to him and said, I don't like this. I want a divorce. And he didn't allow that because back then the husband would have to admit to adultery and agree to the divorce. So she was trapped. She had a procedure later and that procedure left her with some symptoms in her body. And just like many women today, you go to the doctor and you say, I think something's wrong. And even today, the doctor says, actually, I don't see anything wrong. It looks fine to me. And they don't believe you. And so she experienced that at a very high level where no one in her life believed her after struggling for so long. So she started to become outspoken and she started to talk about her symptoms publicly. I have these symptoms. I can't feel inside my mouth. I can't taste food anymore. But back then, what we now know as dysgeusia, they didn't know what it was. So all they thought was she's delusional. delusional. So her husband said, I've had enough. You're going to the asylum to get psychiatric care, right? But I don't know how much or if any that they treated her and helped her at all. And she, I think she believed she was never crazy, never mentally ill, but she had to obey. She had to follow through with those treatments. She had to be good. Otherwise, it could take longer and longer until she could prove herself to be um, someone worthy of her husband allowing her to come home. Wow. Uh, it sounds like she was so misunderstood. Hmm? Absolutely. She's definitely the underdog in this story. But I think in the process of being in the asylum, she got to find her voice a little bit more. I know she explored her spirituality and um, she reconnected with her faith while she was in the asylum. And she wrote about her issues from the past. She wrote about the infidelity. She wrote about wanting more children. And then in the process, my favorite thing is she actually writes poetry about the other patients. And so she talks about social issues or injustice. She tells their story. There's a woman she writes about and she doesn't say her name, but this woman um, came in for something. Maybe something was wrong. Maybe she was upset or depressed, um, but she's no longer feeling that way. But she's been in the asylum for years. She has two little children and those children no longer have a father. The father has died. So now because there is no father, no male to sign her out, her children have become orphans and she's trapped. And so Martha Nash brings to light these kind of issues. And I think if these poems had been published sooner, if she had been able to have a platform to speak, she would have been part of the reform movement, reform for women's rights and reform for mental health care. And for that, I'm really proud of her. But unfortunately, these poems went to a family member who collected them from her and they just stayed quiet for almost 100 years. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. 
Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Almost 100 years. And Janelle, what, what happened to her? What happened? Uh, well, in the asylum, we know that she was kept in chains. She was strapped to some kind of, um, we believe it might be a bench or a board. Um, they did offer, I don't know how to say offer like a spa, but hydrotherapy where people could be in a bath of extreme temperatures for a very long time. And they were definitely practicing electroshock therapy. And it was probably just, I, I feel like it's torturous but it was probably still one of the best and only things they could do at the time. We don't have psychiatric medications. Um, even the chains that the patient stayed in almost all day long, that was something that almost the doctor's hands were tied. They don't have enough nurses and caretakers to take care of everyone. And they don't have medications to help if people are upset or they become violent. So it was very much, um, you could perceive it from her perspective as being very terrible, but also from the hospital, they were very limited with what they could do. So unfortunately, um, this, this is what we end up with. We do know there was a there were several Utica cribs there. Do you know what the Utica cribs are? No. Utica crib is, it looks like a coffin, but um, a cage. And so they would lay inside this, it's an open, cage-like coffin and sometimes they were hung from the ceiling and they would swing but this coffin bed allowed the patients who may be upset or may be harming themselves or maybe just disruptive they could be kept contained for numerous hours all day all night without having to be in chains and some people believe that was therapeutic or soothing uh, kind of like how we would have a weighted blanket today, just to have that pressure to be stuck somewhere. And I mean, we all, hopefully we all disagree with these practices now, but again, they didn't have um, mental health. Uh, they didn't have options for mental health care in terms of um, antipsychotic meds or things to help with you know, just even the most basic depressions. We just didn't have it. Well, and it's, quite disturbing to learn about how mental illness was handled in the past. Mm? Right, right. The thing that really gets me now is that I truly believe she was never mentally ill to begin with. So she, she had to go through all of this wide-eyed and alert. And if she didn't comply, there would be consequences. So she had to just continue to be. And one of the things that she wrote in her poetry was, if you're not crazy when you come in, it won't be long, you'll be. Because just the simple process of having to go through these motions and being stuck there and wondering, will I ever go home? And all of the people around you, or perhaps some of the people around you, really are suffering in terrible ways. 
-hmm. And so if those are the people you're around, maybe that was enough to drive you crazy. I mean, I had a, I, I'm a mother of a boy and I remember when he was six and seven and he was wild. That was enough to drive me a little crazy. So I could only imagine <laughs> if I was around a lot of people all day who were suffering. And Janelle, has your perspective changed at all after learning all the details of your great-grandmother's experience? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, yes, I have found her not so much to be an attention grabber because she did go on, on record in 1934 when she came out. She went to the media to tell them what happened to her and how she was treated. And she went to tell them all the symptoms to say, I'm actually sick, I have this disorder, but nobody knew what that was back then. So she really tried to advocate for herself. So there's one perception of her being this um, angry, upset, jilted woman. But now that I've spent a lot of time in her writing, in her personal writing, which is that's her heart, that's her spirit on paper, I see that she really is about making things better for the world. She sees and notices the injustices and she just passionately loves on her one son. If that's all she has, he is her treasure. And she pours out her love on him in so much of her poetry. It's her number one subject. So I've gotten to know her as a really loving, tender, sensitive, but also a fierce woman. And because of that, I kind of like the woman. I wish I could have met her. I think this is the closest I can get, though. Yeah, and it looks like she was a very strong woman. Sure. Because she tried to advocate for herself but those times things were so so different and so difficult for women mm -hmm. right but now's the time her voice is going to be heard but in addition to all of her poems being featured in the book and we we allow it to be under her name um so she'll get all the credit but in addition to that we do provide a backstory that has a lot of genealogical research and we also do some fact checking with people who work in the mental health industry and also people who are local to the area and they're experts on that specific mental health facility and they cannot um, contradict anything she said all they can do is support it so i think that's fascinating that they have been able to validate what she has said about her experience and then at the end of the book i go through all these medical case studies and really pull apart what it was that made her suffer. And it's so common today. And to just think this is something that is livable, it is addressable, and that was all it took to put her in. It's just really unfair. So in the book, it's a lot more than poetry. It is a little bit of a mystery to be solved. And I think readers have fun doing that. Uh -huh. So in, it looks like you did a lot of research. So besides being a journalist and historian, have you ever wanted to be a writer, Janelle? Oh, yeah, I used to be a writer, but I would say that the difference is the passion. And so I, I have been a writer for newspapers and magazines. And in that, I write things that are very catchy very you know popular today or 
necessary to be told. And there's a, there's a lack of passion in that for me. It's okay. It, it gives me a paycheck, but when I get to tell stories, whether they're the nonfiction historical books or like the one in the Oregon trail, that will be a fictional retelling. That's where my heart beats through my chest. And that's where I find myself having vivid dreams and living in new worlds. And so I've definitely, um, been there, done that with all the, I've been an English teacher, I've been an HR person and writing contracts. And now that I can write and explore fiction, I think this is where I've shifted from just being a writer to being a truly an author, an inventor. And so I'm, I'm super excited to create all of those worlds for people to come into, you know, just like a painting, come on in, come explore my world, come touch the paint, come feel the colors with me. Yes, that's so amazing. And the story of your great-grandmother is fascinating. And I'm pretty sure people will be very curious to learn more about what happened to her. And are you working on anything currently that you would like to share with us? Well, currently I am working on the new novel about um, the Oregon Trail that's about Sarah Rousseau. And um, I have separate channels, I would say, for those because that's such a different story. She um, She's a Western woman, but she's also a Victorian immigrant. She's a wealthy um, pianist from London, England who came to America. And so her story is just a little bit different. So that one is online at Russo Project, uh -huh. but Martha Nash's story is online at Seven Years Insane. So they're very different audiences, but ultimately they're women who in history endured some very challenging circumstances and persevered and were ultimately successful in their journeys. So I really love that. But both of those, all of the projects actually are on my author website janellemaloney.com and that's j-a-n-e-l-l-e-m-o-l-o-n-y.com and janelle before you go is there any message is there a message you would like to share with our listeners today definitely take another look at who is in your family that's left a legacy and explore and after you've done that and enjoyed please pass that along to your children. The, the practice, the hobby of making family trees and telling family stories is quickly going away. And especially now when our lives are just digital, even things like a scrapbook or photo album or diary, these are going away. So where will, imagine, where will your story be? How will your great-grandchildren know you? What legacy will you leave behind? So I challenge everyone to consider putting those things down somehow on paper, in a book, on a recording because of how important it is. And we should be the ones who tell our own story. We shouldn't have to have people go find it out later and figure out whatever. We should have the privilege and the right and responsibility of leaving our own legacy for our family. Beautiful. And Tanel, where can we find your book? 
It is on Amazon and it is also being featured at the St. Peter Hospital Museum and lots of different historical societies around Minnesota. And it is now entering the library systems. So I look forward to seeing it circulate the world. I hope you can be very successful with Facebook. It's such a pleasure to speak with you. You are very kind. And, you know, the person that I could be here listening for the whole day. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Lucia. You're so nice. I've loved talking with you. And I hope that everyone enjoyed taking a moment to just think about what kind of treasure lies within. Yes, thank you. And come back. Okay, thank you, Lucia. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. And remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.